0: Good morning. Good morning. In the book of John, in the thirteenth chapter, we find Jesus about to teach the disciples, the men who have followed him, that have committed their lives to serving him for the past three and a half years, modeling his life and looking at him. He's about to go to the cross, and he knows this, and they're not quite aware of that, even though he's tried to tell them in his plain English as he could. Here he is about to go to the cross and he's about to show them something that he saved. He saved this lesson for one of the last lessons that he wants to teach them because he's about to go to the cross. He wants to show them about what is going to happen and he wants to teach them in a very unique way. He wants to teach them about why he came to earth he wants to teach them about what he's about to do on the cross in a very different way and in john in the 13th chapter in the first verse we see this scenario before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he said, uh, Then he came to Simon Peter, one of his disciples. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? <laughs> Verse 7, I want you to look at this. Jesus said to him, what I'm doing, you, you're not going to get it right now. He said, you don't understand what I'm doing. He said, but in a while, you're, you're going to understand. He said, you're going to know after this. The after this that Jesus was talking about was whenever he died on the cross. And that's when you're going to understand all of this because of what I'm doing. You, you don't get why I'm doing this for you. And then... After that, you know, Peter, you know, he said, Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says something real interesting. He says, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you're not going to have any part of me. Sounds kind of harsh. I mean, uh, here's Jesus doing something that in Peter's eyes is so beneath him. This is beneath Peter, okay? And he's looking at Jesus, his master, his hero, Savior of the world, and he's doing this. And Peter said, I would never do that. And now Jesus is doing that. I'm not going to do that, Jesus. I'm not going to let you do that to me. I'm not going to let you do that to me. And Jesus said, you've got to let me do it. Because if you don't, you can't have any part of me. There's something about feet washing in the the culture, back during Jesus' time when he was on the earth, that you and I need to understand. Wasn't a popular job. Foot washing was not a popular job, but... It was reserved for the lowest servant in the house. That's what foot washing was reserved for, was the lowest guy in the house. What happened whenever all these guys back in the day were walking around with their open toed sandals on dirt streets? They didn't have Germex machines at every restaurant that went, they didn't have the little wave your hand in front of the towel thing. They got gross. What happened whenever they walked behind the camel? Same thing that happens when you walk behind the cow or if you have camels. Anybody have camels out here? It was dirty. It was gross. It was nasty. These guys' feet were cracked and, and calloused and, and, and filthy and stinky and smelly. This was reserved for the lowest servant. But we find Jesus who deserved to be treated better than any king that had ever lived on the earth. Amen? Don't you think Jesus was worth rolling the red carpet out for? Don't you think that Jesus deserved the best of the best? But yet we find him not only not receiving the best of the best, but he's giving. He's down on his hands and his feet and his knees, and he's washing these guys' feet. And he said, you're not going to do this to me, Jesus. And Jesus said, if you don't let me do this, you aren't going to have any part. Of me. And then so Simon Peter's kind of a lot like you and me, kind of goofy. And he said, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Because what he was saying was he was thinking this was some kind of cleansing that the Lord was doing to him. Lord, cleanse me then. If you're going to wash my feet, don't just wash my feet. I want more than anybody else. I, I, I'm going to stand up and be super spiritual because I, I, I'm, I'm going to be your right-hand guy. I'm going to show everybody what they should have said. Jesus said, Peter, this isn't about washing feet. This isn't about washing your head. He said, there's no need for that. He said, you're already clean. He's talking about, but not all of you because... Judas wasn't, but he said, oh, you guys are clean. He said, there's no need for us to go take a bath. We just need to wash your feet. And here's the thing, verse 12. So when he washed their feet, he took his garments and he sat down, and then he said to him, he said, do you know what I've done to you? He said, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for that's that's who I am. I'm your teacher. I'm your master. That's correct when you say that. So if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you that a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, Jesus did this at a specific time. He was teaching them, what was going to be most important before he went to the cross. He was teaching them to serve. And it was all about the timing of what was going on. He was teaching them to serve one another. What you've seen me do, you need to do to each other. He said, you've seen me do it. You know I'm your teacher. You know I'm your master. And you're not above me. And you're right because I'm your teacher. You're not above me. But since you're not above me, look at what, how low I've gone in your eyes. How low I have chosen to put myself. I'm the king of kings. I I was there in the beginning. I was there before the beginning. I've always been. I was there. I've seen all that heaven has to offer. I knew everything about you before you ever even took your first breath. I know. But I've placed myself in this position to serve you. That's the heart of serving. That's the heart. That's the attitude of giving. The heart of serving. And it was all about that timing. And Pastor Mike, you and I have been talking about serving. We've been talking about what we can do here in our church. We've been talking about the missing piece. We've been talking about, um, you know, how God is the missing piece in our lives. But we've also been talking about how you are a part of the peace that is Word of Grace, that is this church. And the same thing that Jesus was saying with the timing of teaching about serving. I believe this is also one of those times that's critical for the day that we live in. Amen.
1: You know, that's what we're going to talk about here. The right timing is critical to meet needs. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation where you thought, you know, you missed something. Because somebody else seemed to get in line first, and they either got that job, or they received this blessing, or if you're shopping with me, you get in the wrong checkout line, and it seems like everybody else goes first, and there's an error, or somebody gets stuck. But timing is critical to meet needs. And as far as you as the body of Christ, you are the missing piece. You are the missing piece that Jesus is calling out to through all of the ages today to say, what can you do to link arms with him is what he's saying you know the theological setting as pastor said for this passage of scripture that's about to happen is it's recorded in john which is the fourth of the gospels matthew mark luke and john typically almost all of the parables are retold in just a slightly different fashion but not one of those other three par gospels told about the washing of the feet And Jesus specifically said here, this is the last hour. He's coming down to, and now he's trying to, he realized that it was his time. His time to just pass over the torch to his disciples to go out and serve the people, to build the church. Timing was critical to meet needs. And as Jesus stepped forward, he taught them this lesson. And as he taught them this lesson, he wanted them to realize the significance of it. And we're going to talk a little more about that significance in just a moment. But you know what else what he was doing in order for you and him to link arms with him? He was also realizing the critical timing, the fulfillment of his purpose for what he came for was about to be fulfilled. He knew that. He knew that he was about to lay down his life so that you and I could be redeemed, to be forgiven, so that... God created us to have relationship with him. And sin was separating that. Because of sin in our lives, because of sin in the world, there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain. And how is it that in preparation for Easter, preparation for a third service or future services or ongoing Sunday services, are we able to link arms to be the missing piece, to go forward with Christ? You see, here's what he was trying to teach us. He was trying to teach us the timing it's critical to step forward, to learn how to speak the language of others. How many of us have family members or friends or co-workers who, who just don't understand what it means to be a Christ follower? They, they typically don't even want to hear you anymore say, you know, you need to come to church with me. You've said it. They don't want to hear it anymore. But guess what? With Easter, there's the, the timing might be right. It's critical to continue to put the message forth. And what you and I as believers, we need to be able to learn how to prepare, to teach in the manner, to show in the manner, to speak the language that they understand. They understand Easter egg hunt. They don't understand resurrection, forgiveness, and grace. But you see, God was about to unleash through meeting a critical need to this world that language called Christianese, and they don't understand that. And so you and I, as we link arms become the missing piece we are critical in meeting the needs of the people that are about to come it's for his sake that he allowed his son for you and i he allowed his son to die upon the cross so that we could be born again and forgiven and as we experience that we need to sometimes take a step back and say well you know what can i do Make sure that gospel continues to go forward. How can I link arms with my Savior? How can I link arms with my pastor? How can I link arms with my church and be equipped to go and speak the language of love and of hope to a hurting and dying world? We've got friends, we've got family that need to hear the message of hope. And yet, sometimes we just we get so on purpose and, f- and filled with our own spirit of self that we just need to become yielded so that the timing in our lives is right. It's critical that God teaches you and I how to be his servants, to open the doors to those who will come and hear his message of
0: hope. I yep.
1: just want to share with you just briefly a a woman at the story of the well. We've heard that. We've heard it many times. It's a parable in John chapter 4 if you need to go read it on your own. Jesus and his disciples were traveling down a dirty, dusty road, again in their sandals, stepping behind the camels, and, go, and just, you know, the heat of the day, the dust of the journey, the area in which they lived. And they just reached this town in Samaria, and Jesus sends his disciples on in to buy food for the evening meal. And he stops at the well because he's thirsty. Out comes a Samaritan woman. The Bible says in the sixth hour, and Jesus said to the lady, could you give me a drink of water? And she said to him, you see, she's understanding, hey, you don't speak my language. I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. We normally don't like each other. How come you're asking me for a drink? And then he said, do you know if if you simply provide this simple drink, if you take this step of obedience, I'm going to give you water that will continually refresh you and never allow you to be thirsty again. And then he went on and told her in prophecy about how she, her lifestyle and what she was doing and how she was living and which husbands she had and didn't have. And then she said, you know, I want to experience that water that leads to life. Give me what you have to drink. And then do you know what she did? She linked arms with him and she walked into the city and she went and told her friends and her family and all those who would listen about this man who must be a prophet, who is the Christ. You see, she acted upon, after Christ touched her life, she went and linked arms with him to go and spread the gospel and move forward with what's going on in her life. And that's the part here. Let me just talk to you just a moment. I just want to briefly say thank you for those of you who serve on Sundays. And then a big special thank you for those who step out and come back on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights to allow the ministries to happen during the course of the week. You're linking arms with the Lord. You're being the missing piece and leading and loving and helping those who just need to experience some of God's love and have hope and bring healing and wholeness into their lives. Mm-hmm. And here's where God just really wants, just gets me fired up, is when we take that extra step and we say, where can I still be used? Lord, where can you call me? What can you do with me? I just want to share with you quickly about my two sons, or my two boys, Ben and Matt. Matt and Ben, get it in the right order. <laughs> um, Matt sometimes here ushers and helps out uh, periodically on Thursdays with me. And one day he was ushering, and he was standing in the back and just observing some new, a new family that had come. And they're sitting in the back, and they're beginning, the lady's beginning to cry a little bit. Matt takes her a tissue, and then he says, could I get your name and phone number? I'll have my dad call you this week. You see, timing is critical to meet needs. amen. And then Ben, as we're kind of reorganizing 180, which is our youth ministry on Wednesdays. Ben just loves kids to death. He loves to bring a combination of love and discipline, some order to the program. And so he, he grabs a hold of that ministry, and he embraces it like its own. And he says, yes, I want to link arms with Christ. I want to link arms with Pastor Derek and Word of Grace. I want this 180 to be the most impactful Wednesday evening service that's going on in the county. You see, that's what happens when timing meets a critical need and you link arms with your Savior
0: and follow what he's calling you to do.
1: Pastor Derek? Yeah, we,
0: we call Ben the enforcer at 180. <laughs> he, he does love kids, and we, we appreciate them both for serving. We do appreciate everyone who serves because you have to understand that serving is not a title thing. It's not something that we're out here chasing titles or that someone is too high up to do something. As a matter of fact, um, there have been uh, a few times where I've had to go to Pastor Mike and say, hey, I just need to download some stuff. You know, can we just talk? And uh, he prays for me and he's ministered to me. And the same thing, he's come in my office before and we just talk and help one another and serve one another as we serve you guys. And, you know, it's not like it's uh, it's a title thing or there's some... Thing as a full-time volunteer or part-time volunteer or there's something that, uh, you know, someone feels like I'm not significant because I, I don't preach or speak in front of people or don't teach a class. And there's this feeling of insignificance. And that's just a lie of the devil to make you feel insignificant and to make you want to give up and just quit and say, this isn't worth it. Because you see, you're serving others. What you're doing is you're actually taking God's agenda and you're putting it first place because God's really in this thing for results. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know that? God is in the people business. He sent his son to die on the cross. He's in this whole church thing for results. That's why all this is even here. For results, for changed lives, for healed marriages, for saved souls, Amen. for people set free from addictions, for people right. walking in freedom and victory in their life knowing how to raise their kids in a godly manner, to, help, to break cycles of uh, uh, junk that's been passed down from generation to generation. God's in this thing for results, and you've got to get that. And he wants that to be our focus. He wants that results to be our focus. His kingdom results. And that's what we've got to be focused on. That's why in Matthew six thirty three, he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things are going to be added unto you. There's something really interesting in here. I want to read in uh, Stephen Furtick's book, Sun Stands Still. He tells this, he said, "Um, There are certain phrases I'd like to see permanently banned from our Christian vocabulary. The ones that sets me off the most is full-time ministry. I know what it's supposed to mean, but I vehemently disagree with its implications. To say that someone is called to full-time ministry suggests that others are permitted to only do part-time ministry, but Jesus didn't die on a part-time cross. Amen? You see, this is, it's an attitude of your heart. It doesn't matter uh, about the time, commitment, or your position, or your title. It's, God's in this thing for results. It's kingdom results. It's us doing our part, us being that peace, us being that link that he's called us to be. And if you're a part of this church, then what you're saying is that God has called me here to be a part of this church. It's easy to hop around and look around for a church that I like, but the bottom line is, is God called you to be here. Amen? That's the confidence that you have to walk in. That's the confidence that will help you, enable uh, enable you to be able to weather those times whenever there's things you don't like. Because there's things sometimes that happen that you and I don't like. But you know what? If we feel called, we stick it out. If we feel that God has called us and led us to a certain point in our lives, then we know that His plans are better than our plans. We know that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and we trust Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, we've got to make that decision that God has called us to be a part not only of the body of Christ, but this local body here, Word of Grace. He's called us to be a part of here. And here's the deal if He's called you to be a part of this vision here, then it's my job as the pastor to help lead as God directs, as God speaks, as God leads us to take steps and to move us in the direction that He's called us to move, but for us to maximize those results those kingdom results that god wants us to be focused on we got to be in unity amen how many of you know we can get a lot more done if we're all on the same page and we're together in unity than we can if we're all pushing and pulling and fighting and trying to get our own agenda across the table Amen? amen amen we've got to be in harmony and unity and we can move in unison and move forward and be a lot more effective and have those kingdom results that God wants us to have, those changed lives, those changed hearts, because we're in this for the reason that God wants us to be in this. And that's for people's lives to be impacted and changed. And that's the whole thing. It's all about the attitude of the heart. It's all about what's in our heart. And there's two questions. I want you to write this down. Two questions here that you can ask that will help be the temperature gauge of your heart. Don't be scared of the answer to these questions. But answer them honestly. The first question is why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you come to church? Why do you serve? Why? Are are you in it for recognition? Are you in it for what you can get out of the deal? Why, Why? Why do you do what you Why do you wake up every morning and choose to be a believer? Why do you choose to conduct yourself in a godly manner? Why do you choose to do the things that you do? why why do you do what you do and here's the second question who second question is who are you doing it for you ask those two questions it will reveal a lot about your intentions and our sincerity because how many of you know that the world is looking for real and sincere hello i said the world is looking for real and sincerity amen the world is looking for genuine because they've seen fake too often they've heard one thing out of somebody's mouth and seen another for too long And they're looking for real. They're looking for sincere. Don't tell me you care about me. Show me. Don't tell me you're there for me. Don't tell me God loves me. Show me. You can show the love of God by even the simplest of things that may not get recognized on this earth, but God knows. Do you want the reason that you're doing things to be to get the pat on the back or the celebration here on the earth, or are you doing the things that you do because you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, Whenever you're standing before God, why do you do what you do and who are you doing it for? That's huge. A lot of people get mixed up in the shuffle because they have a wrong idea about this thing that we call church. And I want to help explain this to you and help you understand this. We've got to change our thinking in some areas um, because we think that it's all about us. We think that church is all about us and to a certain extent, yes, it is about you to where you get your needs met and and you feel the love of God and you have uh, Christian friends and fellowship and we help one another grow. It is about us to a certain extent, but it's also about us taking the towel, girding ourselves like Jesus did and serving others, amen? We can't just focus on ourselves because we end up like this we, we end up like a bunch of kids at christmas we end up like kids at christmas this is how we view church a lot of times is that whenever you're a little kid it's all about what am i going to get 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 you can't stand it i remember one year i got like the original old school nintendo for christmas oh my goodness I, I, I couldn't stand what, what I was going to get. What, what am I going to get? I didn't know at the time. So I wake up at like 3 in the morning and I go in there, nothing on the tree. I get up out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, nothing on the tree. 5 o'clock in the morning, my parents aren't up, but I see there's a package. I peel back the layer just a little bit and I can tell just enough of the packaging that it was that Nintendo that I wanted. Yes! I was so anxious. I couldn't stand it. It's all about what am I going to get? And whenever we first encounter and experience this thing called church, that's exactly how our attitude towards it is. It's all about what am I going to get? And there's nothing wrong with that because we're learning, we're, we're, we're growing, and it's helping us to, to be the man and woman of God that he's called us to be. And it is. We, we, we want to grow. What am I going to get? What's going to happen? And we should come to church expecting to receive, expecting to get something wonderful. But here's the hard part. That little kid grows up. And whenever he's a teenager, Christmas doesn't feel the same way it used to feel. You would almost rather sleep in than wake up at 3 in the morning to go see if there's a present under the tree. And you, teenagers are real awkward because they're struggling with, with growing up because they want to feel like they used to feel. And that's where we lose a lot of people in church. We lose a lot of people in church when they get, get, get. And then whenever they feel like they're not getting anymore, then they go, well, my pastor doesn't have it anymore. The church doesn't have it anymore. I'm going to remove myself from the church and go look for that experience and that feeling that I used to, used to have. They go looking and they go to this speaker or that speaker or to this revival, to this revival, looking for that feeling that they used to have. And they're chasing a feeling. It's not about whether or not God called me to be a part of this church. It's what I can get, and I want to recapture that feeling. They want it so bad, and they get lost in the transition. But let me tell you, folks, if you make the decision that God has called me, and I'm sticking with what God said and not how I feel. Hello, somebody. Amen? If I stick with what God said, then guess what happens to that teenager? That teenager grows up. That teenager becomes a parent. And how many of you parents know that it is so much more awesome to give gifts to your kids than it is to even get something for Christmas. I got my girls' bicycles. They wanted these princess bicycles, you know, the kind with the little plastic things, the little frilly things, and the, and the, the bell, it's got Barbie on the front of it. Oh, I knew they were gonna be so jazzed about it. I woke up super early. To put the bicycles under the tree. So I knew that'd be the first thing they saw. They wake up and they're like, oh, look what I got, look what I got. And I'm just going, yes. I was excited about the things that I got too, but not nearly as excited about what I could get them. You see, that's what happens whenever you understand the mentality of it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. When you grow and you make the decision, this is where I'm called, you make the transition. I don't just, I'm not just a part of a local church because of what I can get, but I'm a part because of what I can give. Because it's not just about Jesus washing my feet, it's about me going out and washing others' feet and serving others. And I get just as big of a joy as I do whenever I get something out of the service and I get something out of the the church as much as it is whenever I give, even if it means washing feet, even if it means doing something because I'm called. Because this is where God has me, and I made it through the transition. I, I I I didn't lose faith in the transition, and I didn't make this something about me. I made it about Him and His kingdom. I focused on His kingdom, and I focused on this is not about what I can get. But this is about what I can give. So I want to ask you, Church, why do you do what you do, and who are you doing it for? You, you've got to have this attitude of humility, where you recognize it's not about me and my title. It's not about being celebrated. It's not about everyone even telling me how good of a person I am. It's about serving him because I'm called. Because he said, you're not above me. I'm your master. And look what I'm doing. I'm washing your feet. Do this to one another. That was the most critical, important last thing that he wanted to communicate to his disciples. Man. We've got to do it in humility. Mm -hmm. We've got to do it in humility, and it's not about a title thing. It's not about I'm the pastor, and it's not about I'm the associate pastor, and it's not about I'm I'm so-and-so in the community. I can't change a a, a dirty diaper, you know, or something like that. Pastor Mike's got a crazy story about something that he's done. Um, Are you going to tell that story again?
1: Sure. You want me to tell it?
0: (sighs) I guess.
1: (laughs) All right. Humility is a godly quality in the body of Christ that leads to service. That is something that is just so necessary. It's something that means that we're maturing in our faith. Humility is a godly quality in the body of Christ. I can go back a few years, and in the last 10 years, most some of you know me well, know how much time I've spent in doing volunteer here, whether I've been part-time, full-time, or just volunteer, one Tuesday morning I'm coming in to open up the building for prayer and I've got a rather sensitive nose. I walk through those doors and I, oh, I it kind of stinks in here. Must, the garbage didn't get thrown out. And so I come into the sanctuary and I could still smell it a little bit and I get the music on and get the prayer requests out. And nobody's here so I thought I'll go to the bathroom. I open those doors, and it's getting ripe. Ay caramba, this is getting nasty. It's getting wicked. I go into, it's in winter, and there's those little heaters in our bathrooms. And I walk into the men's bathroom, that heater's blasting out hot air and fumes where you need to bring the hazmat unit in. I mean, the, somebody laid, a, laid one in that toilet that, that was, it was, we're not talking Easter eggs here. I mean, it was... Nasty. You didn't say that in the first service. I didn't. <laughs> and with all humility, I exercised great leadership and found someone else to take care of it. <laughs> but now let me tell you in what humility really needs to look like, or a little bit. I had the privilege of this past Friday going with my wife down to Halia's school for Grandparents' Day. And we're walking into this auditorium and there's like 400 other grandpas and grandmas there. And I'm looking around and I'm looking around. This is not how humility should act. And I say to my wife, I said, I think I'm the youngest grandpa there. She kind of looks at me and I said, and guess what, I think I'm also the cutest. (laughs) And now I'm just blowing my bubble big. And then, just only like a wife can do pop, she sticks the pin in and says, how is it going to look, Mike, in 10 years when you're here with some of Meredith's children? And I had to blow my bubble back up and say, well, at least I can still be the cutest. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an attitude. You know, it's just, I, I walk around, I, I may be grandpa, but I still have to have an attitude. I'm as only as old as I feel and, and as I live. And you see, Humility allows us to live large. Humility to live, allows you and I to live life large, but under God's grace, under his leadership. Let it change you. Let it mold you so you become the men and women that he's called you to be. Just let, let, link arms with him. Let humility change you so that you're willing to say, here I am where there's a need. You see, that's one thing that Jesus did. He embraced this process of this foot-washing service to teach them about humility. He not only knew that he was going to introduce grace and salvation through the cross, but he was also breaking other social barriers that day. As Pastor had mentioned earlier, that it was the lowest of the low who washed the feet. You see, to have been called humble back in that culture simply meant that you would have been referring to a servant. But after salvation, after the cross, Jesus was introducing humility because now in our culture, through grace, through forgiveness, for somebody to call you or to say, you are a humble man, you're a humble woman, is a compliment where in the past it was like they were speaking evil of you. And so things change. He was introducing humility to allow you to link arms with him and realize whether if it's changing diapers, greeting somebody at the door, running A V, where do you fit into the equation is the question that he's asking us today, church. What gifts do you do you, are you even aware of your gifts and talents in relation to his needs within the body of Christ? That's why we're trying to on purpose speak the Language of what the community understands—an Easter egg hunt. There's nothing spiritual about an Easter egg hunt, but there's a lot of spiritual about it in the fact that it's meeting a need, and it takes humility. Sometimes other churches say, "Well, a church sponsoring an egg hunt—what kind of church is that?" Church that likes candy. Amen. <laughs> and it, and loves kids and right. loves people, because that's what Jesus would do. It's it's what Jesus would do. And so the act of humility, the act of being called to serve, where are you called to serve? That's what his question that he's leading you and asking you today. What, where is it? And here, here's a young man. I read this story. I get all these business magazines from my years in the business world, a success magazine. And this young man, he was born on an inner city, had no future, was going nowhere just barely got through high school. Now he needs to find a job. He needs to see his situation change. He can't get a job anywhere. He's got no real developed skills. He doesn't have a college degree. He's going nowhere in life. And so he's walking down the street of his city one day and he sees a help wanted sign in a storefront. He decides to walk in and apply for the job. As he walks in, He gets to the secretary of the area to get the application, and she said, well, you need to fill this out, sir, and we'll call you for when there's an opening or for an interview. And he said, no, the sign said there's help wanted. I want to speak to the man who can hire me. I need a job. And they went round and around with that, and finally she, because of his persistence, took him in to the president. And he began to tell that man his story. And and the president says, well, have you filled out the application? How did you get in here, young man? Have you been called in for an interview? He said, no, your sign out front said help wanted. I'm here to apply for a job. And he looked looked at his application. He said, well, I'm sorry. You know, there's really no room on my team based upon your qualifications. And the young man with persistence said, but it says help wanted. I'm here to apply for a job. And that president realized there was something inside that young man. And he said, okay, you come back tomorrow and you wash windows. And for the next number of weeks and the next number of months, he came back and he washed those storefront windows to the best of his ability. And those windows shone more than that storefront had ever shown. Then he continued to give him more responsibility. He continued to do that with excellence. He served wherever he was called to serve. And today that man without a college degree, is a president of a regional chain of stores. Because he linked arms, and he said, regardless of where there's a need, I'm going to serve. I'm going to come and commit. And you see, that's what Jesus is asking us today. He needs, and we need people with that type of attitude. Wherever there is a need, regardless of my qualifications, I don't need to be center stage, I don't need to do this, or I don't need to do that. But if there is a need and you have the ability to meet the need, he is saying, link arms with me. You are the missing piece. Ultimately, you're doing it for him, for building his kingdom's sake. And that is what is the missing piece, is his kingdom is still in the process mm-hmm. of being built. But you need to step in and grab a hold and embrace that. Yep. That allows the church to move forward. Mm-hmm. Do you buy into it? Do you believe that? Amen. All right. Let's, that, this is where we're going here. You know, um, Let me just share just a little bit. Uh, Now, since I told you a little bit about my sons, I'll tell you a little bit about my daughters. This is a little bit of tough love. My daughters both periodically besides volunteering, Meredith and Jenny, they sometimes will help out or have helped out in the children's wing. And for those of you, I believe we've got a world-class children's wing over there. Mm -hmm. If you've got children that have been part of that service, thank the teachers. Thank the volunteers. Thank people who are serving over there. You get your coffee. Thank them. Just be thankful for people who are doing, out of their time and ability, serving others. I can remember both both of these stories happened to both of my daughters. They weren't scheduled to serve down there. And then based upon a need, they went and out of the goodness of their hearts filled in. And both times those days, somebody stepped on them. They were told, oh, you weren't supposed to put that outfit on them. You weren't supposed to give them this nookie. You weren't supposed to do this. That can be very difficult. That's part of serving. Understand this. Sometimes when we're doing stepping forward, and they don't even realize they weren't scheduled to be there, and then somebody comes along and steps on their air hose, so to speak. That's where I'm talking to you a little bit about tough love. Learning to have an attitude of gratitude. What happens over there is world class. Be thankful for it. Find out where, if that's where you're called to do, to come alongside, be the missing piece, and serve over there. Also grow a little tough skin because you don't always hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, for serving and changing a diaper. But it's a necessary need that's being met so that we can speak the language of those who are about to come on Easter because they need to be able to see that love in motion they need to be able to see god's blessing is working in this church through you and through me as we link arms with him to be the missing piece pastor can you bring us
0: home well you, you know it, it it takes a lot of folks to do what we do here at church amen amen it takes a lot of folks to do it and we, we really do appreciate you it's it's absolutely fantastic what we're able to do here, and to do it with two services, and I know there's many of you who um, serve in, in both services, or you serve in multiple areas. Whether you serve in one or multiple areas, that's, that's not really relevant, but, but I do appreciate the fact that you, you serve, because the attitude and the heart behind it is that we have an understanding that we serve God best by, by serving others. That's really the heart behind what we're doing, is that we serve God best by whenever we serve others, we're showing the love of God, we're showing the love of Christ to other people, and we're doing it with excellence because we're showing them that this is valuable, that this matters. And when we feel called to be a part of this local body. We feel called to this church, and because of that, we're willing to step up and we're willing to serve. You know, not every time that you serve and that you do something, you, you don't have to feel led to do it. You know, every time that you do something and you you serve, you don't always have to feel led to do it. I like to tell people this, if you want to feel led whenever you see that there's a need there, and uh, if if God's called you to be here and, and you're waiting to feel led, grab you a number two, go get you a sharpener, sharpen it up real good, and rub the end. I'll give you a minute. I'm from Arkansas. We're supposed to be a little slower down there. Come on, guys. Sometimes people, sometimes people think that they have to be led. Just like what, what if Matt, uh, like he gave the example earlier, his son, what if Matt would have seen that lady over there crying and, and, and there's an opportunity there to reach out and he just goes, oh man, I really wish I felt led to go over there and talk to that lady, but I just don't feel it. Sorry, lady. My friend at work is going through a divorce and, and, and they're just, he, my, he's just a mess. He's just all just depressed and, and, and I just don't feel led to go over there and talk to him what are you talking about you don't feel led this is what we're supposed to do isn't that the story of the good samaritan there was a guy that got beat up and mugged and robbed and left for dead and here comes the church people the religious people riding on their donkeys and they're walking by and they go oh poor guy i don't feel led to reach down there and help him sometimes folks you don't have to feel led you're called you answered the call. That was you being led. Now, sometimes, you know, we want you to be plugged into an area of serving here uh, in the church or in ministry where you're doing well and you, you can enjoy it. But guess what? Sometimes there's a need, and sometimes it takes uh, all of us feeling called, and we just have to step up, even if it's, if it's just for a season. You know what? Pastor Mike didn't feel called to go mess with that commode situation. <laughs> you don't either. Nobody may feel called to change a diaper, but what if some mother needs to hear a message that will change her and her family's life, and she needs to be free of distraction? Are you? But, but, but what about me? What about what I can get? You see, it's not all about what we can get. It's about what we can give because we understand that we serve God best by serving others it's an attitude of our heart and it's responding to opportunity is what it's doing and we're about to bring in a third service part of the reason we wanted to talk to the church about these particular areas was to help you to understand that heart of serving but also to let you know that we've got a lot of great things going on here at word of grace and that's only going to get better hello somebody let me hear say amen shout hallelujah i'm telling you there's good things going on and it's only going to get better And I believe that. And sometimes, folks, uh, we miss the opportunity of capitalizing on an Easter service because Easter is such a, a crucial time in the life of unbelievers because they come to church on Easter and they really don't know why. A lot of times, unbelievers will flood in churches just to feel better about themselves or to do their religious duty for the year, and we've got an opportunity. That may be the only time that they have the opportunity to be in a church service and experience the love of Christ, to be around other believers and go, you know what, this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't what I remembered. This, this is different. This feels different. This is, this is actually applicable to my life, and it wakes them up, and it helps them to see their need for Christ, and it can change their lives. I know that that it's such a crucial time, and that's why we're gonna go to three services because we wanna make sure we have room where everybody can be comfortable. We've got crazy parking situation out there that we're trying to work with, and we're trying to uh, maximize our efforts out there, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide more opportunity for more people to be here. It's us tilling the ground. It's us making preparations, and you know what? It takes folks to do that. It takes folks with a servant's heart. I, I don't need you to feel led To help out on on a third service or to help out with the Easter egg hunt, I need you to feel called to word of grace. This is where God has called me and my family. This is where we are. I don't need to feel led to do this because I want to be a part of what God is doing in my church. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth, in my city, and in my life because I understand it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Hello, somebody. And we understand that we serve God best by serving others. And I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. It's about responding to opportunity. It's about responding to opportunity, not just in this opportunity that you have here at Easter to help us out and to make this thing happen and to link arms with us and make this big Easter service, big Easter weekend happen. It's not just about that. It's about you in your everyday life responding to opportunities and having the attitude of a servant whenever there is a need whether it be in your local church or whether it be at home, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be after church today when you're sitting around the table at a restaurant and your waiter looks like he's having a terrible day. You see a need, you see an opportunity, and you respond to it. Developing that kind of an awareness, that servant's heart. Whenever I was 15 years old, I had a job at a grocery store as a sacker, and uh, I made $4.75 an hour. (laughs) (laughs) worked about 15 20 hours a week and i didn't have a lot of money but what little i did have you want to know who i spent that on me we just got a big dairy queen in the town that i lived in and i went to dairy queen and i was able to uh eat as much dairy queen as i wanted and it didn't even catch up with me you wouldn't even know i ate there but now i look at dairy queen and i go oh man what just happened I go there all the time, and I remember specifically one day I went into Dairy Queen, just got paid. I'm looking at the menu. It's all new to us in our little small town. We're all excited about having that restaurant there. And there was a man in front of me, and he had probably about a five- or six-year-old daughter. And the Lord put it on my heart to buy that man's ice cream for the, the, him and his little girl. He was going to buy it, whether I did or not. And I'm sitting there going, God, that man's obviously going to buy it. And the Lord kept telling me, and it kept getting stronger and stronger. The closer it got to that man actually completing the transaction, the stronger that sense got that I needed to do this, I needed to move. I had a pocket full of, I had a little bit of cash in my wallet, and I, was, and, and I felt like I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And I choked, and I didn't do it. I wish I could stand here today and tell you that I responded correctly to that opportunity, to that leading that God had told me to do that, but I, I didn't, I blew it. How many of you have ever felt like God was leading you to do something and you blew it? So it's not just me. Thank you. I've been thinking that all this time. (laughs) But check this out. That was such a big deal to me. You might be saying, Pastor Derek, that's stupid. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You know why? The guy obviously had money. You know, maybe you were just feeling sorry for him. No, that it was God telling me. It was God trying to train me to obey his voice because God said, if I can trust you in the small things, then I can trust you in the big things. If I can trust you to buy somebody's ice cream when I tell you to, then I can trust you to answer the call when I tell you to move to a state that you've never been to before. It's me learning to trust God in the small things before I can jump off on something big here and hear His voice. It's me understanding before I make a major move and a big decision in my life that I've been aware and trained myself to listen and respond to the voice of God. That's what God was doing in me as a teenager there, trying to teach me. I missed it and let me tell you as silly as that may seem not paying for that man's ice cream made me sick to my stomach It made me sick. I went home and I cried over it 15 years old laying in my bed bawling like a baby because I didn't do it. I repented. I felt terrible I felt absolutely horrible But how many of you know that god is a god of second chances just because you blew an opportunity just because you missed it Just because you might have felt called just because you might have felt led Just because you didn't respond to an opportunity that was presented before you doesn't mean it's over doesn't mean God's written you off. doesn't mean that he's done with you. Hello, somebody. Because a few years ago, when I was living in Texas, I didn't have a lot of money. We were just doing our best to make ends meet. And I decided that I was going to take my wife out to eat at a big fancy fast food restaurant. <laughs> and we were going there, and I had, my, had a little bit of money in my wallet. And there was a man in front of me And he was reaching for his wallet to pay for his food or rather he was ordering his food and the lord said buy that man's food And I tapped my wife on the shoulder I said god just spoke to me and told me to buy that man's food and she said we don't have that much money Derek I said, I know that I said, but i've got to obey god and she said, okay go for it And so I sat there and watched the man order And I didn't realize that he wasn't just ordering for himself He was ordering for his wife and his wife's friend and her friend, and his two children. He was ordering for six people. And I'm going, water, water. Lord, lead them to get water. Lead them to drink water. (laughs) But they didn't drink water. They ordered sodas. Supersize it. No, don't supersize it in Jesus' name. (laughs) Because I was still at this point more concerned about myself. But I said, okay, God, whatever they want. So here's what I did. I went up to the man, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, sir, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. <laughs> what is the deal? You guys and first service laughed whenever I said that. I'm totally serious, I said that. <laughs> I promise I'm not. But I tapped him on the shoulder, I said, I'm not crazy, I, 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 but God told me to buy your food. And the man looks at me and he said, what? I said, God told me to buy your food. No, you, thank you, I appreciate that. But no, I said, no, you don't understand. God told me to do this. And he just steps back and he goes, okay. And I buy the man's meal. And then I order for my wife and myself and I had to scale back a little bit. And then I go and sit down and I'm eating with my wife. And I felt that peace that I knew that I had obeyed God. And then this man comes over and taps me on the shoulder. He just walked away. He didn't say thank you. He didn't say anything. He just walks away. He comes over me and taps me on the shoulder. He said, "Why'd you buy my food?" I said, "I told you because God told me to." No, why did you do that? I said, "Because God told me to." He just starts crying right there in the restaurant. He said, "I'm a worship leader." He said, at a church here in town, and he said, I was thinking about leaving the ministry. He said, my wife and I were about to skip town. We said, we had enough of this. It's too hard. There's too much junk going on in our church. He was under a tremendous amount of pressure. And he said, God, I need to know that you've called me here to this town. And he said, you have no idea what you just did. He's just in there weeping. I began to get teary-eyed, kind of like I'm doing right now, over food, <laughs> over obedience, over responding to opportunity. And then I get up, tell him you're welcome, God bless you, prayed for him and his wife and their ministry. I get up and I go, to get a refill on my drink. And the Spirit of God drops a ton of bricks on me and says, you remember when you were 15? You remember when you missed it, and you remember how you felt. You remember when you missed it? This was your opportunity. This was your second chance. Well done. This was it. This was your second chance. So let me tell you here today, folks, you may have blown it. You may have missed God before. You may have not responded. Maybe you've not responded to the call of God Maybe you've not made the commitment. Maybe God's wanting you to step up. Maybe you need to go through membership class just to solidify the fact that you're a part of this church and you're called to be here. Maybe you need to sign up for something. Maybe you need to say, yes, Pastor Derek, I'll help clean the church. I'll scrub toilets, whatever you need me to do. Maybe you need to go and talk to that coworker. Maybe you need to go be obedient to what God's telling you to do uh, today at lunch or whatever he's leading you to do and telling you to do, but you're aware of opportunities and you're not going to blow at this time. I'm going to respond. I'm going to step up. I'll help with the third service. I'll help with the Easter egg hunt. I'll help clean the church. Whatever I need to do, not because I necessarily feel led to, but because I'm going to respond to opportunity. Because I'm a servant. Because I understand that it's not about title. It's not about me. It's not just about what I could get, but it's about serving God by serving others. It's about doing what Jesus said to do. Matthew 9 and 37 says that the harvest is great, plentiful, but you know who, what we're short on? Laborers. laborers. He said, we're short on laborers. We're short on workers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are for you. He said, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest that he sends forth laborers into the harvest. There's a harvest here in Sheboygan County. There's a harvest here in all the surrounding areas. And you know what? You and I have an opportunity to respond. We have an opportunity. So what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with this message today? What we're going to do here at the end of service is we're going to have people at the back of the sanctuary here as you walk out. No, No pressure. We're not trying to put any pressure on you by any means. We're not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I just want you to be aware of an opportunity. They're going to have volunteer applications. Maybe you need to fill one out and say, I'm ready to serve. Maybe you need to go over to guest services after church today. You need to sign up to help us clean the church before Easter service. Or maybe you need to sign up to help us with the Easter egg hunt. Or maybe you need to sign up to go help in our nurseries or in our children's ministry. Or maybe you need to sign up to help usher or greet or pass out donuts. I don't care what. I'm just ready to respond to opportunity because God's called me and I'm a part. And I'm ready to step up and serve. Let's move forward together. Amen? Bow your heads this morning there's another call this morning also another opportunity that you have to respond here and that's maybe you say pastor Derek I've never really asked Jesus into my heart I've never responded to the opportunity to really make him the Lord of my life or maybe you say pastor Derek I've I've responded to that opportunity before but I wasn't real genuine about it it was just a prayer I was just chanting what everybody else was chanting at the end of service I was just repeating after the pastor who was praying and I, I I don't really know where I'm at with God because I haven't really committed my life to Him. But I want to do that today. Or maybe you say, I, I did make that commitment. And I really was serious. I was for real. But I've kind of just let it all go and just kind of been doing my own thing. And I'm ready to make a fresh commitment to God. Today is your day to respond to that opportunity. And if you're here in this place, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything weird. I just want you to let me know that you're here by simply raising your hand and putting it right back down. I see these hands all over this place today. You can put them down after you've raised them all over this place. Anybody else? Don't say, man, I wish I would have raised my hand. All you're doing is just acknowledging. That's it. Church, would you pray with me here? Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to you. Not part-time, full-time. I give you every bit of me. I'll go where you say to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll respond to the opportunities you put before me. Because you're my leader. And I follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand with us today?